0: there, and welcome back to episode 166 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. I am really excited to welcome on our guest today, Kathleen Casanova, the executive director of Project Potluck, and Cynthia Billups, the VP of Operations, Membership, and Belonging at One Step Closer. I am really looking forward to this conversation. We're going to chat all about mentorship the nuances of navigating conscientious mentor relationships and how it can be so powerful for creating a more equitable and diverse industry. So if you've questioned whether or not you should have a mentor as you grow your business, where you might find one, and how to make the most out of that relationship, keep on listening. Kathleen and Cynthia are also going to share more about their upcoming programs, Mentor to Champion, and I'm excited to hear the details directly from them. So let's get right into it. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the show today, Kathleen and Cynthia. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks for having Thank me. You. <laughs> You're welcome. So I'm really excited. I've got to say, I've been following both of your organizations for a while. I told you before we started recording that we've got quite a few Retail Ready students who rave about each of your programs and the support that you've provided. So I'm truly excited and honored to have you both here with us on the podcast today. So as we also talked about offline, it's it has it's been a little while since I've had multiple guests on the show at the same time. So I am going to do my very best to moderate so we don't just talk over each other for our listeners. So before we get into the heart of our conversation, let's kick off with some intros. Kathleen, I'm going to invite you to start. So for those of our listeners who have never heard of Project Potluck, can you give us a brief rundown of what
1: you guys do? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having both of us, Allie. Project Potluck is a community for people of color in the consumer product industry. We're really what we like to think of as the home and a safe space for people of color who are both professionals working in companies and also entrepreneurs and founders. And we provide everything from community and connection to resources, visibility, and programming, including our mentorship program, which we've now put, we we put 230 people through our program as of now. And uh, it's been a really incredible ride. Um, and we're a nonprofit. You know, we've been around since 2020. And we were started by industry leaders who are people of color who were just really feeling the need to bring together the community. And... You know, provide a space for them to connect and learn and grow. And, and our mission is simple. We want to make sure that more people of color have successful companies and careers within the consumer product industry.
0: Yes. Okay. So you are the perfect person to talk to today uh, about the topic of mentorship, particularly for people of color. This is this is gonna be great. Thank you
1: for being here. And how many people did you say 230? Yeah, actually 230 have gone through the mentorship program and, wow. but our, but our network is over 600 people and growing every day and is really, is free. So really yeah. anybody in the consumer product industry who is a person of color is welcome to join us. Um, and, uh, you know, we're here for them.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk more about that, you know, how people can keep in touch with you and what, um, you know, more about your program. And again, I love that you just highlighted right off the bat that it's free. So for our founders who are uh, (laughs) always looking for free resources, this is going to be really valuable. Great. Okay. Cynthia, can you tell us about One Step Closer? And can I, I'll just ask your permission. Can we call One Step Closer OSC for the duration of this podcast? Yeah, Okay. absolutely.
2: Um. First off, it. Project Pod like is so great. I love them <laughs> so much. Um. And I love casting them specifically. Um. But they're doing amazing work, and we are so excited to um to be able to partner with them, um as we also try and try and find ways to make our little organization have more um more responsibility and more outreach and um a, just a greater touch, more scalability. So one step closer has been around for 10 years.
0: Yay! Wow. Um, congrats. Uh, Congrats.
2: You. I, I take complete responsibility okay. for it. Um, I've actually only been here for a year, but I feel like I've earned it. Um so one step closer. So originally it was um the brainchild of a couple of co-founders. They came together and they were CEOs of businesses that were really very interested in not just being not just being kind of good or having like a, a green label slapped on them, but but being more. Um, responsive to the the systemic approach to food and so um what we talk about when we talk about our member community are a group of CEOs that are aligned around um, a set of concepts and one of them is regeneration um one of them is renewable as as being as renewable as possible and um and then there's also a uh, an, a sustainability um focus as well as a action, focus. So mm-hmm. all of those things. So when we're talking about our activated members, we have about 40 members and they are CEOs of a variety of companies, CEOs, founders, leaders. Some of the companies are um, what we call small, which is actually still big, but we start at 1 million. Um, if you have a net profit of 1 million and your company goes from about 1 million to 10 million, then you're in our rising stars. We have about 14 rising star companies. Um people who I'm sure you've heard of. We have um, Lily Sweets. We have, um, I've just forgotten all of them. We have Firebrand Reds, (laughs) we have Shea Radiance. So we have um, people who are smaller in the sense that the founders are still actively really involved in the day-to-day workings. And then we have 10 million and above. And so some of those brands are Pathwater, Numi Tea, um, Simple Mills, places that you see, you know, at Sprouts and Whole Foods and all Mm -hmm. those um, kinds kinds of folks. And with them, we're still working with the CEOs, but there's a different set of challenges there. Obviously, they have a bigger team. They are um, trying to make things work on a much bigger level. And so they're our core group, what we call our core group. We have about 20 of those folks. Um, Both of our chapters are member chapters. You do need to pay to be a part of the membership, but we network amongst them. And so we have our core leaning into um, sort of helping with uh, rising star challenges, concepts, conversations. But then we also have our rising stars who tend to be younger, (laughs) tend to be a little fresher, um, bring in their insights as well. So that's sort of where we weave together this mentorship, um, advocacy, championship kind of situation.
0: Yeah. Cynthia, you did the exact thing that I do when people ask me about retail ready brands. It's like, people ask me who, who's, who are in our program. And my <laughs> and mind like, goes I have no idea. completely blank. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I promise I work closely with these brands. And I love <laughs> them all. I know. Don't exactly. put me on the spot. <laughs> <gasps> I know that we've shared, um, Bread Seriously and Diaspora Co., um, between Retail Ready and, and One Step Closer. And like I said, both have have really raved about it. I know Sadie said she just got back from a One Step Closer retreat a Sadie couple is weeks
2: fantastic. ago. Yeah, we're um, we heavily recruiting her. She was with uh, the organization, then she snuck away, and we're trying to get her back. And then Sana is just a superstar. Just yeah. so amazing. Sana with Diaspora. She's amazing. So absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, Sadie, if you are listening to this episode, let it be known: Cynthia is actively trying to recruit you back. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not calling okay. it stalking, but
0: it's there. <laughs> so let's talk about mentorship, and I wanna I wanna talk about it from the high level, and I wanna talk about the importance of men- mentorship. But I also wanna know, like, what is it, and how is it different than I'm going off script here, but how is it different than finding an advisor or someone who can be on your board or maybe like hiring a consultant or joining a program like Retail Ready? So like what is membership and why is it so important for business owners, specifically people of color?
1: Yeah. So I can answer that. So actually it's in preparation for today, I looked up, you know, what is the definition of mentorship? And Actually, hated every single definition that I found. So hopefully today, Cynthia and I can create a new paradigm for what is mentorship and a new definition. But you know, traditionally, it's a relationship between somebody who has more experience and somebody who has less experience. It's advisory. It's um, supportive. It can be as structured or informal as you want it to be. I like to think of it as a relationship where learning is involved. I think that's a that's a definition that I'm more comfortable with than. Somebody who's a band, somebody who's a newbie because that can get really tricky. Um, but mentorship can really happen between any two people who are on a learning journey. It can happen between peers. It can happen between. It can be a reverse, you know, mentorship where somebody younger is actually teaching somebody with more experience. Um, so it's a real commitment and relationship where you know growth is involved and learning is involved, and it's a critical relationship in any industry, I would say. But specifically for industries where a lot Is learned on the job. You know, I don't think anybody graduates from college and is fully equipped to run and launch and grow a CPG company or actually any company at all. So a lot of what is necessary industry knowledge or um, just kind of, uh, you know, behind the scenes work or unspoken rules um, and social norms. I think a lot of those are learned in, in more informal relationships like a mentorship relationship. Um, and it's it can be as long or as short-lived as it needs to be. Um, but it's different than a coach in that it's somebody who can open doors for you. It's somebody who's in the industry or has a connection to what you're doing. And somebody who is helping you along your journey in a really tactical way. Um, You know, I think coaches are really people who help you discover the answer. Like, you know, when I asked my therapist what she thinks about something and she really asks me, well, what do you think about that? You know, it's like the answer is within you. you. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. The coach may you actually pay the coach to tell you stuff you already know, but I think the mentor relationship is really about uncovering something you don't know or access to something that you might have had a more difficult time accessing. So so that's kind of a definition of mentorship. And we know from research and studies that this is a critical learning relationship. Um, I, I have some stats. So I, let me just be nerdy for a second. But 92% of small business owners agree that mentors have a direct impact on the growth and survival of their business. These are general stats. And then I can share some anecdotal information from Project Pollock. Um, But we also know from studies that, you know, mentorship helps build more skilled and resilient employees if there's an internal mentorship program. So this is something that I think business owners can think about as really important for them, but also within their companies and within people who are working for organizations, not just for founders and entrepreneurs. Um, we know that you know mentorship programs reduce employee turnover. It helps identify who might be great for promotions. Um, and currently, this is the one that you know i could go on and on about how great mentorship is but i think this is what really sticks out to me is that only 25% of small and medium sized businesses currently make use of business mentors yeah so it's 25%. a huge yeah 25% and and it's something that is technically free i mean it takes some time to find a mentor which we can talk about um but this is this is something that i also saw is hugely um it's hugely done across the industry so people who are considered industry veterans and leaders and who have all of these resources most of them are willing to or already have served one study found that 62 percent of this one study found that 62 percent of people were already serving as mentors Um, so this is something that's very you know accessible and um, is hugely beneficial to kind of navigating those ins and outs it's someone you can call when there's a bump in the road or when, you know, you get thrown a curveball um, and and you need a resource. Yeah, because I, you know, what I'm hearing
0: under this too is that it's so hard to get this insider knowledge or it's so it's so hard to go at it alone. Yes. And traditional, with traditional mentorship, you know, it is, it is a free relationship. And if only 25% of business owners, small business owners are are taking advantage of that. I mean, one, they're really doing a disservice to themselves. Right. Right. And two, where my brain goes is, well, I wonder why that is. Why Mm -hmm. are only 25, why is only 25% taking advantage of this? And like, where are these? where are the holes in this um where are the holes in the system mm-hmm. where people aren't getting the mentorship that they need and i imagine this is probably something that project potluck and ocs um oh, excuse me osc really thought about in yeah. starting your
1: organizations correct yeah 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 i would so, i would say the mentorship is one of the biggest things that we started with that project potluck because it was already happening informally among people of color in the industry. We have a really friendly industry, I think in general. And then you boil that down to the people of color. And it's the type of situation where you could slide into anyone's DMs and They'll respond to you. I mean, my, my mentor, our, my, um, our board members are, are just so well-respected and, and acknowledged in the industry. And every time I talk to them, they're like, oh, I just got off the phone with someone who's just trying to start a business and had some questions for me. Um, so that offer is just so wonderful. It's there. It's so helpful. It's so needed. And I think it was happening really informally. And, and Project Potluck wanted that to be something that was more accessible and available and less difficult for people to find.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And
2: actually, um, Ali, just a couple of things that you just said, like, why is this not more prevalent? Um, So many reasons. And part of why we want to redefine how we're talking about mentorships, um, there's this sort of hierarchical power structure, right? We all know about it. Um, A lot of it has to do with who has access to power and who has access to talk to who. And so there's all these gates. There's so many gates before you get to talk to anybody. And so what Kathleen's just describing, the fact that you can just pick up the phone and talk to someone who has all this industry experience, that's power. And it's power that's been kept from people on purpose and put in place to make it really difficult, actually. Like you have to be part of a formal program or you have Mm -hmm. to know someone who knows someone or someone has to independently decide they care about you. And that's exactly what we're talking about, needing to dismantle this concept that there's a um, a, a gated reserve of information. Um, it's there on purpose. Mm-hmm. We need to get rid of it. We need to ah, dismantle yes. that part and really, really um, make sure that folks know that we're not just ripping down those gates. We're also pointing to how to make this useful for both people in the equation, right? It is not just yeah. the people who get to ask the question, who are actually getting something from this relationship. It's reciprocal. And it needs mm-hmm. to be understood to be reciprocal because otherwise those people who are CEOs, who are very, you know, I would love to, but I don't have time or feeling as if it might be a burden on them. It There's a way to structure all of these relationships where it isn't just... It isn't not just a burden. It's actually really useful for you to know yeah. what's happening. Yeah,
0: um, so I can be like over here raising my hand, right? I'm like, yeah. oh, if you look at my inbox, the amount of people who ask for you know free advice or like mentorship, right, right. right. Uh, week in and week out, can be overwhelming. And so right. I'm sure, I'm I'm sure that is. I love that you're coming at it from the perspective of that having to be valuable for both parties.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and we, we know, you know, research studies show it is incredibly valuable for mentors, but when you talk about, I mean, even the definition of mentorship is about someone who's a newbie getting, Mm. you know, four minutes of somebody's time, who's so important. You know, but really, mentors will say that it's an incredible opportunity for them. I mean, we have this anecdotally within our community where people say, I can't believe we have a small group mentorship program. So it's five. People of color to one industry veteran who can sometimes be a person of color. But we, the veterans tell us, oh my God, I just met five incredible people. My network just expanded. I just yeah. learned so much about their situation. And it's also research shows it's a really great way to build leadership and also inclusive communication styles. So, I mean, it's a win win. And then for the industry, with a larger, you know, with our older generation kind of sunsetting. A lot of that information needs to be passed down for the industry to continue to thrive. So it's incredibly important for, you know, everybody involved in the relationship. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay. So I hear some of the issues historically are that like there is, it's a gated community where simply um, mentees don't know how to or where or, you know, best practices for accessing these mentors who are kind of like on pedestals over here. And there's like some weird power dynamics that we can get into as well. But yeah, (laughs) there's the issue of accessibility to begin Mm -hmm. with. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah an issue that the relationship can feel one-sided and we've got to switch it up so that yeah. it feels more equally weighted. Any other major issues that that you're shifting here?
1: I mean, I think people don't really know what to ask for or what they're mm. going to get out of it. I just think these can typically be unstructured and that can be, I think, challenging for both parties to agree on and to measure what success really looks like. So um, I think that is a barrier as well.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, again, I'm just, the only perspective I have is, is, is my own being a mentor. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing more frustrating showing up on a call with a mentee and they... Aren't prepared. They don't know what right. to ask. Like, I'm like, what to ask I you?
1: <laughs> well, we <laughs> were just like, oh, yeah. are like, um, I really want to ask for this thing, but like, is that too much? I mean, it's a really weird song and dance, and I think yeah. a lot of that is the power dynamic because, oh, for sure, you know, it's like the mentor shows up and the mentee is kind of leading it, but they don't know what they're allowed to ask for, and they don't know what's off limits, and they don't know what feels competitive I mean but we we see mentorship relationships with with um, mentees and mentors who are in the same exact space. They're technically competitors they're on the shelf next to each other, but they see a rising tide kind of opportunity and um, so you know I but I think that makes all of that makes it very difficult to navigate and a little ambiguous.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. Okay, so let's talk about some of the key things, the key considerations to keep in mind when the mentee or the mentor either side decides it's time to embark on this relationship. What do we start to consider?
2: So one thing that, um, so I have a huge, I have a huge love and background in systems and structure and um in groups right and so beyond individuals there's ways that groups can interact with each other that just make them more effective as a group actually more effective than the two of them or three of them would be by themselves um and so when we're looking at i'm going to stop calling it mentorship when we're looking at a champion relationship or an advocacy relationship what we're actually asking someone to do we're asking at least two people maybe you know maybe up to six people we're asking them to on purpose self-select into a care relationship, which sounds impossible. (laughs) So normally your mentorships are maybe you see someone, they care about you for whatever reason, you care about them for whatever reason, and you try and cobble together um, from that care, you try and cobble together a couple of goals where maybe this person can help you. But the reason they're helping you is because they care about you. And Mm -hmm. what we're saying with our advocacy and our championship, our championship is that you can decide to care about somebody for no reason other than you just decided it. So I got handed a name on a slip of paper. I It is now my job <laughs> to care about that person. And so that's, that's the foundation is that you're not helping, quote unquote, helping someone. You're not saving someone. You're not doing something where you're going to immediately get this kind of serotonin, whatever. It might actually be annoying but you're caring about them. It is your job. And so that's the foundation. So once you've been assigned a person to care about, and again, this is both sides, because as someone who maybe has a set, a less experience in a particular area, you also need to recognize your strengths because that's what you're offering to this other person. And so you have the care relationship that's been established. The next step is to, and I, we go over this in like the various um workshops. But the next step is to establish what either, which each of you want and what each of you have to give. Both of you, not just one of you. So you play with those goals. You figure out what you want to do and you have a set of goals. So it's a structure and it's not a straight lay structure. It's not like you can't ever deviate. You probably, hopefully will become friends, but this is not a friendship. This is a a relationship that is based on goals that you need to commit to. So you need a time frame. you need some goals. Both of you have to have come to it with goals. If it's a struggle for you to look at someone, like let's say I'm going to mentor somebody. Um, if I'm going to champion that person and they come in and let's say they're a high school senior, I might look at them and and not immediately have a set of goals for what this high school senior could do for me, um, that's on me to figure out. I need to figure out what is interesting about them, what they could teach me, what I don't know, and bring it to them. That is not on that senior to like tell me. They have their own things that they would like. So I need to say, okay, what have I actually been wondering about high school seniors? Like, how are you all doing? (laughs) How is COVID? What is this Instagram? (laughs) What do you do with your phones? There's all these things that I genuinely could learn. And I need to enter into the relationship expecting that and knowing that because that is what equalizes that conversation. And if I don't do that, then how I show up, my tone, my tiredness, my ability to like maybe I prioritize other things above this person, all of that happens because I haven't fully committed to this relationship. So, foundationally, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about these kind of um, advocacy situations. And weirdly, I have had high school people advocate advocate for me um, when I didn't expect it. And it was Mm -hmm. so fantastic. So I've been a mentor um, where I was teaching, where I was tutoring in, you know, English. I was helping this person write an essay. Fine. That's great. Very one-sided. And um, out of nowhere, she came back to me and was like, oh, so um, I was talking to this person about uh, dogs, about bully breeds, and I know you have a pit bull. And so um, I got you some information about this uh, this class. And I was just like, oh, what? <laughs> like, I was so, like, what? And touched and like, I didn't even think about that. And oh my God, thank you so much. And we took the training and it was fantastic. So that's what I mean. There's no relationship. There's no coupling where there isn't something that folks can help each other with.
0: And Cynthia, I imagine you didn't go into that relationship thinking, okay, if I mentor this person on writing their English paper, they will give me a great They'll help me train my dog. I did not dog.
2: go into that relationship at all with that. And I am fortunate that the person that I was mentoring did not have a mindset that they couldn't help me. Like she, right, her right. mindset was, I can help you. You're helping me. And that was fantastic.
0: Right, because I imagine you know, let's just use this high school senior as an example, that someone who's younger, significantly younger than their mentor, whether it's younger or less experienced, right, um, might feel like they don't have anything to give to the relationship or anything to bring that's of value to the mentor. Exactly. And Cynthia, correct me, is this how I, I, if did I hear it correctly, that the mentor, it's the mentor's responsibility to figure out what they want, need, where they can grow because of the relationship.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So essentially what we're saying is there isn't, there is no hierarchy. We're saying that this is a relationship that is a chosen, caring advocacy agreement. And that going in, the rules are that you will make time for each other, that you will commit to each other and that you will have goals. Mm -hmm. And again, outside of those goals, one of those goals may be that you're always on the lookout for a way to help each other, both of you. Mm And so yeah. going in with that as your foundation, then you're setting each other up to have this equal power, different, you know, you don't
1: have to explain it. You just do it. Yeah. yeah. But it's also so critical to every relationship. It's one of the values of Project Potluck is reciprocity. It's mm-hmm. giving and receiving generously. And we ask people to think Deeply about what they need, but also what they can provide, and you know, so many people will be like, "Oh, I just started my company; I have like nothing to offer." And I'm like, "Well, you just you know start at a company. You're in this. You're in this process, and like other people are also in that boat with you, and you have a valuable perspective." And I think it's that reciprocity. It's, it's, it's actually like this concept of social capital is very critical to community. It's an accelerator. It makes things happen. And it also is a glue. It brings people together. So it it has to be about that as well. And kind of what, what, how we can relate to one another and really like seeking that. And I think that Cynthia and I talk about this all the time, that's valuable in any relationship. It doesn't have to be a really formal It doesn't have to be a really formal advocacy relationship. It can be how you move around your day. It can be how you choose to, you know, see the world and see connections. And there's value there. And it also specifically helps create a more equitable and inclusive environment and community for people of color or people who are, you know, have a difference in any way.
0: Yeah. And so when, again, like I'm going off script here, but how would one know if a mentor-mentee relationship, you know, on either side is the right fit for them? It's
1: a great question.
0: Yeah, I actually think, um, I think
2: that, and again, this is just, I'm thinking this and I'm basing this on the research that I've done, (laughs) the writing that I've done. So it's not just random, but, um, this concept of fit is something that is less important. Actually, it's almost like when we talk about hiring and how we're no longer hiring to fit because the whole point is that we need diversity and we need diverse ideas and we need to learn how to have conversations that are productive with people who don't fit and who aren't Mm -hmm. like us, because that's Mm -hmm. part of the problem with traditional mentorship is that the people who have successful ones tend to already kind of think like each other. They kind of gravitate to each other for a set of things that make them feel better. Maybe they feel like they know the person. Maybe it's, you know, so-and-so's son and you, you know, are, are reaching out. So those relationships um, are a little bit problematic, honestly. The reason that I am a fan of structured um, championships and advocacy is because anyone can mentor anyone. Anyone can advocate for anyone. You just have to know that it's your job. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so going back to what Kathleen said, yes, absolutely. Reciprocity is, is a, it's like a muscle and you build it and you practice it and you start, you practice it with your friends, you practice it with your family. Eventually you're really good at doing it with strangers. Eventually you can be in a shopping line, in a car, you know, and the person in front of you is struggling with all the things that they have and there's things falling out of their wallet and they have, you know, (laughs) like something just rolled down. Like, and you look at them and you look at them and you think, how can I help them? Instead of what the heck, (laughs) you just really need to get (laughs) Get it together.
0: Yeah, exactly. But
2: again, it's not a savior. It's not a savior mentality. It's what can I offer in this moment and what could they do for me? It's, it's reciprocal. Right. And so once you've trained yourself to think that there is no, it's not a fit conversation anymore. It's if I'm having a conversation with this lady who's got her wallet open um, and I, ask a curious question there's all these methodologies for how to engage in these conversations but if i ask a curious question can i do something right now to help you and she says no then i need to be like great (laughs) that's great roger Um, that (laughs) yes thank you um that that is mentoring that is advocacy i asked she said no I and I listened.
0: <laughs> I Take listened. her at that's, face value. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Right, right, and by right, my doing that, we have built trust that if she then 14 seconds later decides she does need something, she now knows that I will listen to her and, I tr- and trust me and ask me. And so that's what we're talking about. That's the kind of advocacy champion relationship that we're talking about. It's not a savior complex. It's not I'm yes. going to swoop in and fix something. Yes. It's, you know, we're talking and I really need these goals and I really want to start my own business. And I'm talking to somebody who's just not, quite understanding me, then it's up to the two of us to figure out how to make that conversation happen. Those goals are important. I don't drift away from them. I don't decide that it's a personality thing. I don't decide it's a fit thing. I go back to the structure, which is, do you care? (laughs) Do I care? What are our goals? And how then do we change our language to make sure that we're really actually getting those things done?
0: Yeah, thank you for changing my perspective on the fit there. I think that that it was so valuable when you just said anyone can mentor anyone, and more the the red flag of if you're not a good fit is do you do you agree or not agree to the structure?
1: Yeah, right? are yeah. you willing to be in the structure? And people tell us everything we need to know. I mean, uh, you know, have you, Cynthia? And I think uh, I've talked about this. We're about to go to Expo East. And, you know, I was talking about this with a colleague where it's like, oh, great. Like I'm about to go and be in a room with people who are constantly looking for somebody more important in the room. (laughs) And like, there's this experience at a trade show where you're talking to someone and you can see they're eyeing people's name tags because they're looking for the target buyer. Actually, Ali, they were probably looking for you when you know I know. I, know. Like, I used they to go don't and like want to talk to me. They I want would, you. I would flip
0: my badge over so people wouldn't know. This was back you. when I was fire. When I was now I'm like, please someone talk to me. <laughs> but um yeah, I would flip my badge over because that they were looking for me. Yeah, and yeah. Kathleen, I mean, that experience of being in the room and feeling like people are looking over your shoulder for someone better. Oh, yeah, it's,
1: yeah. Mm. it's heartbreaking. But then alternatively, I want everybody to close their eyes and think of a time when they knew they were being fully at the chills, being fully paid attention to. And somebody thought that they were so valuable. I mean, that's how I choose my medical care. If I have a doctor who I know is ready to get to the next patient, I certainly do not want to them to deliver my baby. You know, but like if if I'm in a room and a doctor sits down and they have relaxed body language and they can tell that they're listening and paying attention to me and asking me questions and they find a value in what I'm saying, that's who I'm going to go with. I think the same is with anybody who you choose to have a trusting relationship with in terms of like, oh, you see value in what I can bring you. So I know that you're going to take this seriously and we might be able to have um an exchange that's enriching for both of us. And so I think we the teaching is that we already certainly know who these people are and we know who they certainly aren't. The hard part is saying, oh, well, that person said they'd mentor me and they their resume is stacked. And that is going to be what opens doors for me. Well let me tell you, somebody who thinks five minutes of their time is valuable and doesn't follow up with an email and make introductions that they promised you is not valuable. It's just not. So right. you know really like Cynthia and I were talking about how like you would never get off of an hour long phone call with somebody brainstorming and then not say like, Hey, let me follow. I'm following up with these five things that we talked about. Here's an introduction. I'm going to connect you on LinkedIn. You know, no one would ever do that, but a mentor who thinks that they're, they have that the value isn't just being in their presence. That's not going to be a, a super fruitful relationship. And like I'm not trying to drag anyone because maybe they don't know. And so maybe there's a learning for them too about how they can be more supportive.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I think that's actually just to quickly piggyback on what Kathleen said. I think it's really important to know if you can, if you have it in you to be an advocate Um, Mm, because you might not, you might be too busy. Actually, you might actually not really honestly have the time to invest. And that's again something that you need to know about yourself and you need to bring to that relationship. If you yeah. if someone approaches you and they have a question for you and they um, you know, ask, you know, can you make this connection? Are you available for mentorship? Whatever. If you know, if you know you can't, then yeah. just maybe suggest something that might work. You know, maybe we can do um a model where you send me some specific questions or a specific ask mm-hmm. or a specific outreach yeah. and I can tell you what I can do. Um, but being clear about what you can offer is, is actually really critical because a lot of people who are in formal mem- mentorship um, programs within organizations, they just get told, like, you're gonna mentor someone, you're, we're all gonna mentor someone, um, but there's no- That's so true. Right, but there's no structure and there's no actual inquiry into whether or not you're able to. And so training everyone who is going to be in a position of, you know again, this advocacy loop, needs to be trained on what that means. Because it isn't until you know what it means that you can decide whether or not you're able to do it. You might think, you know, I'm fantastic. I started 15 companies. I would be a great mentor. Um, Until someone breaks it down to you and says, okay, what that means is you're going to talk to (laughs) someone for an hour, a month. (laughs) You're going to come to that meeting prepared. And you're going to talk about goals. And you're going to talk about what you need. And you're going to have follow-up. And as those logistics kind of float into your brain, you might realize actually maybe not. Maybe I'm more prepared for addressing a group of people. Maybe I'm more prepared for, you know, sort of having a webinar or or doing something else that um, that gets to where what I can share uh, in the way that I can do it most effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. And it might change seasonally too, right? Like I know there's been periods in my business where I'm like, oh no, like, uh, you know, (laughs) Cynthia, thank you for describing (laughs) that, but there is no way that I can commit. There's absolutely no way. (laughs) Right. And then there are other seasons where it's like, oh yeah, actually that sounds, that sounds so fulfilling. Like count me in. So I just, I so appreciate that both of you have um, articulated the importance of there being Again, so much structure in the relationship so that yeah. both parties can really be either like a heck yes or a heck, no. Yeah. I've got a couple more questions here that I want to make sure we get to and and we've danced around this a little bit, but I, I want to talk about diversity in mentor mentee relationships and mm-hmm. why and why that's so important? Why do we need yeah. diverse relationships here, um, yeah. particularly in our industry? We're an in industry, but let's talk about, let's talk about our industry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one stat that I I recently saw, and this is just for Black businesses and and to be clear, you know, uh, Project Potluck supports all people of color, but this is a pretty intense stat. Eight out of 10 Black owned businesses were out of business within the 18 months of starting. Um, And wow. I think this, I mean, this is a stat that I don't think Is new to anybody who's listening. I think it's pretty well known um, that there are enormous barriers to people of color uh, who are business owners. It's everything from capital to access. I mean, mean, that's a whole other podcast, which you know, Cynthia and I are definitely available for. (laughs) But I mean, it is it is like a huge, huge, huge systemic conversation topic. Um, But when it comes to you know business owners. It's. I like to think of capital in three ways. It's social capital, it's human capital, and it's you know financial capital. And there's different barriers for different you know sections of the BIPOC community within each of those. But it's so important that we have more representation uh, on the shelf, and that's what Project Pollock is so committed to. I mean, the the consumers who are purchasing these products, um, the United States population and demographics, it's more and more and more considered, quote unquote, the minority is becoming the majority. But that's not reflected in these upper echelons, these really difficult places to get, like the top seller at Whole Foods. So when we walk down the aisle, I mean, from a purely altruistic standpoint, we believe that a person has a right to be reflected in the food that they eat and the, what they put on their bodies, you know, from a consumer product standpoint. Um, And so in order for that to be the future, in order for us to have like a truly colorful future for CPG um, we have to be figuring out how to overcome these barriers. And I do truly think that mentorship hits on a lot of the, or a true advocacy and championship hits on all of those. It opens doors, it reduces barriers And um, it helps make successful businesses and careers. Um, And, you know, I think it's also important for industry. Uh, If we want to be truly addressing health inequities, if we want to be figuring out climate issues, um, you know, I think, especially with natural and organic products, we have a huge opportunity to make change. But, you know, innovation is fueled by diversity. So if we're ignoring this as an issue, our industry doesn't stand a chance in trying to compete with conventional and make these important changes that are literally critical to the future of the of food and our world. Yeah, yeah I, will,
2: um, I will. So that's my soapbox. The, I was going to say I the last it. thing, like 100%. <laughs> so I think that, again, we're looking at both sides of this, right? So there's the sure, let's all be better people. Let's yeah. break down some barriers. Let's make sure that we're yeah. not, all racist all the time. Um, yeah. All those things are fantastic. And the flip <laughs> side of that is it's actually better for the bottom line. Like yeah, for we sure. will sell to more people if we have yes. better ideas that are coming from the, the groups of folks who are currently marginalized, currently underrepresented. Yeah. And so just if someone could care less about anyone um, who was outside of their own you know, ethnic situation, the <laughs> fact that the fact that the world is international, the fact that we are moving forward at such a breakneck speed where anyone from anywhere can sell to anyone anywhere, it's inconceivable that we wouldn't try to um, diversify in a way where we can uh, really get to those minds, get to those thinkers yeah. and yeah. and uh, across the board ethnically, but also youth-wise, the, the, yes. these amazing ideas and insights are coming from people who are one young and two may not be in one of our you know little silicon valley bubbles right they're everywhere and we need to find them and we need to let them have the kind of agency and access that it's going to take for these new um these new ideas to yeah. to come up and the last thing i'll say about that is that the reason that you want to be the best champion and advocate that you can be is because we need to learn how to talk to people who are different than us. And so diversity on the one hand is sort of reducing this. um, It's, it's for me, diversity all by itself should be the only thing that all of us want to (laughs) do because we need to learn how to talk to and interact with people who don't think like us, who don't look like us and who we think are others um, in order to survive, in order to be sustainable. We, we have to. And so it's also nice that we get something out of it. Um, But even if we didn't, we still actually need to do it.
1: Yeah. It's the smart thing. It's the right thing, but it's the smart thing to do. And I mean, if you ask, I mean, Cynthia and I are biased because we're both You know, work in this space. But I mean, if we can address diversity and inclusion, a lot of other problems go away. I mean, I'm not saying it's silver bullet, but like it is. It might be. It could be. It's probably it
0: is. (laughs) is. (laughs) Great responses here. So I'm I know our listeners are like, okay you got me all hyped up. I am down for this. I'm either down to be a mentor or I'm down to be a, I need a mentor. Like I I am the perfect mentee. I'm ready for the system. Where I've got a couple of questions around this, but it it really is. Where can our listeners find mentors and mentees and all of that? Like, where do they go next? Yeah, and I know we've we've got a couple of your upcoming programs that I want to talk about and make sure our listeners know how to connect with both both of your organizations directly. And I have, I imagine, the answer might be um, related here, but let's start with that. Like, where can people
1: find mentees or mentors? Yeah, so you know, if you are a person of color and you would like, and we use the word mentorship because it's just easier. But you know, we really try to have an evolved situation here. We have a small group of people of color, so that the power dynamic is a little more balanced, and um, you know, they really run the show and they decide what they need, and and we try to have a really reciprocal relationship. But we use that phrase, um, mentorship. So, if you would like to be a mentee at Project Potluck, you can apply on our website, and um, we are our application is open. And we're looking for um, people who would start this program in January. It's a year long program. Um, They meet quarterly for an hour at least, usually more. And um, it's it's incredible. We've had, you know, we have over 200 mentors who have applied um, from some of the biggest companies in our industry, really passionate, so excited. And we've had amazing, we just have amazing feedback from what happens in those rooms. So you are welcome to join our cohort, it's free application. It's very short. Um, If you would like to be a mentor, there's no restriction. You can be a person of color. You can be an ally. You can be anything. um, And you can apply on our website as well. If you are not a person of color and you're looking for this relationship, um, there are a lot of programs for small businesses. I would highly encourage you to look into those. And you don't need to get so caught up on CPG, 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 because like Cynthia said, there's a lot to learn. Um, But also, man, I heard a couple days ago about someone who like slid into someone's DMs on Instagram and like now that person started as a mentor and then they became a giant investor. So like shoot your shot y'all. Like I think this is an intimidating. I mean, like don't do anything um like don't hit on someone on Instagram. It's not what I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> advocate here, but like if you have a crush on someone from a professional standpoint, you think they're incredible and you think that they're doing something cool, I mean, give it a shot, start a relationship. You don't have to send them a message and say, will you be my mentor? You can ask them a question and ask if they'd be willing to connect, get a sense of what you know that that dynamic is like and try to take it the next step further. Um, look in your Rolodex, or I'm, that's such an old school thing to say, like look in your-, <laughs> your LinkedIn. digital, look in, Rolodex. digital yeah. Rolodex. Look on LinkedIn and see who you already know and maybe you're underutilizing in your network. I mean, this is like truly for the- the brave are rewarded here y'all because I think it's something that is underutilized a little intimidating and if you can move forward with some courage I think that you're able to start really incredible relationships and don't be so caught up on like I need a mentor who can meet once a month and do this Mm -hmm. it's like can you create a, a a bench like a deep bench of amazing advisors and resources and can you leverage them and can you build and grow those relationships and give something back, um, then you're in business. And most people have more than one mentor as well. So think broad, think big. And just ask. I
0: hear, I hear so much like, and be brave, just ask. And worse comes to worse, that person says no, or doesn't respond. And you're in the same exact situation that you are in right now.
1: Yeah. Except for that they know that you have chutzpah and then, you know, who knows? Like, yeah, you are in there. Yeah. Oh, they're like, damn, this person, I don't, I don't, know if I can say damn, but they're like, dang, this person, um, you know, they, 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 they really went after what they wanted. And the more you do that, the, I think the more energy like that you put into the universe, the better, but that's just a personal. Absolutely. You
0: know, so. Okay. So your next cohort starts in January, 2023. <clears throat> yes. We'll yes. put all of that information linked in our show notes and both awesome. mentees and mentors are, yeah encouraged Welcome. to go yes, and apply. Yes. Okay. Cynthia, yes. I know that you have actually something that's coming up quite soon, a mentor to champion skills yes. training. And that's on Thursday, October 27th. It is 1030 to noon Pacific time. I Pacific believe, time yes. Um, we will also link that up, but what, what is that and how can people take advantage of, oh, S-C um, and the resources that you guys have.
2: Yes. So, um, so this particular training is an intro to what is going to become a module. So we have um, Pathways to Action, which are a variety of ways to kind of operationalize what we call JEDI, which is justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And so our Pathways opportunities, they're on our website. Um, Some of them are short. Some of them are like a one-off, a a workshop or um, a couple of workshops. Some of them, we have financial workshops and things like that. Some of them are a, um, you know, a seven session situation that goes over um, a span of time. And so one of the things that we are really doubling down on and moving into because we feel like we can from an industry perspective, we have a lot of people who are real movers and shakers in the industry. We have a lot of access um, one of the things that we feel like we can do is help people who want to champion and who want to be an advocate and who want to be a mentor be better um, because you don't know what you don't know. And so I've talked to so many people who think they're really good mentors um, and really they're maybe not the best mentor um, either because, again, they're coming from a, for me, the the if. If someone could read something that I said and have the same level of insight and experience and actually talking to me, then I suck as a mentor Um, Mm -hmm. because why would they want to talk to me then? What I need to bring is that extra. I need to listen. I need to be specific. I need Mm -hmm. to actually, again, develop a care relationship with this person in order to be a good mentor And the number of people who just don't understand that either because they haven't ever been told they're surrounded by yes people or they're kind of old school and that's just not the way it worked. Um, They just don't get that second part. And so what our mentor championship training does is for anyone who wants to be thoughtful and enter into a pretty effective, useful dynamic with somebody else where they're, bringing them along as part of the agreement, we give you those insights. We give you that, what does reciprocity look like? You know, how we're asking curious questions. What is a, a good structure? How do you, um, how do you know when you're done? I mean, again, because yeah, yeah. to be honest, sometimes a person doesn't need, you know, years of mentorship. Sometimes they need like a couple of connections. So our, our workshop and our module really kind of goes into how to be the best you can be when you're in this mentoring relationship. And specifically, and Kathleen and I have talked about this before, um, you need to go above and beyond if you're going to be mentoring marginalized folks. Like, you, you really need to, like, understand microaggressions. You really need to sort of check your privilege. You really need to understand that you can't just say something like, well, I would just pick up the phone because it doesn't work. For, for a community that has multiple gatekeepers before they can ever get someone on the phone right and so if we're going to if we're going to trust you as someone who is in a care relationship with us then it is harder to be an ally to someone who has experienced systemic exclusion than it is to be an ally to someone who hasn't, that's just the way it is. And not everybody knows that. People see people who are like them. I, I get if I wanted out if I wanted to be a mentor to my friend's you know son, it matters if my friend's son is a person of color or not. It actually does matter what I say and what I do and what I suggest because it might take more work on my part for to get that person to the same space. Right. So all of that is something that we talk about in this workshop. And it's something that we dig deeper into with the trainings. Um, I will also say though that, and again, this is on our website, uh, which is jedicollaborative.com. Um, but I will also say back to what you said about how do you find a mentor or find a mentorship. In organizations, there is almost always a um an HR people's development uh situation where there's money. There's usually a budget Mm -hmm. that's allocated toward um, professional development and mentoring falls under that. And so even if you're not identifying a specific person, you can still go to that organization, you can go to that um, department and ask them, is there a mentoring program? If not, can we start one? And then those people can come take our training and figure out what that looks like to start a mentorship program, how to like put people in place, how to like assign people. Um, So there's just all these sort of facets. And um, if you're from a people department and you're looking at how do we increase engagement, how do we increase agency, how do we make ourselves a little bit more attractive as an employer? Um, retention. You might, <laughs> retention, yeah. exactly. You might really benefit from putting a, yeah. a mentor, um, yeah. a championship, a advocacy, mentorship, um situation in place. So yeah. another reason to come
0: and talk to us. Totally. I mean that sounds like such a great mm-hmm. event. My team and I I'm going to sign
1: us up. That sounds so fantastic. I can't wait to to join. And I also think it's more about a lifestyle. It's not sure. it's not just like about just that. It's a way to bring it into every conversation and relationship. We have, so Yeah. Absolutely. And for our listeners
0: whose ears perked up around the Jedi Collaborative, we have a past podcast episode um, that we'll link um, up in the show notes as well, where you can learn even more about um, that organization and all of the, the programs and stuff that you offer. all right you guys this has been such a valuable podcast thank you so so much for joining i know we we could keep this going for another hour i'm sure i've got so many other questions (laughs) for you so i'm going to take it as a sign that we should just do a follow-up in a few months and and check in on our (laughs) listeners and see see how they're doing but thank you both for being here today i i really appreciate it this is fantastic thank you
1: of for caring course. about this topic, it's it's so important. Yeah,
0: it is. I'm I'm excited for our listeners to get on board too. So for our listeners, I'll just say thank you as always for tuning in. I know you are probably on the other end nodding along, thanking Kathleen and Cynthia for joining in on conversation today. And here's your invitation to continue the conversation with us as well. So join me on Instagram. You know I'm at it's Ball or in our Food Biz Wiz. Facebook group linked in the show notes. So if you would like to connect again with Project Potluck or OSC, check out our full show notes and the links to all of their resources. So thank you again for listening and I will see you next week. Bye. Instead of having a sponsor for today's episode, I want to give you a freebie, my retail roadmap. This roadmap is essential for anyone launching or growing a packaged food product as it clearly outlines the difference between creating a product line that flies off the retail shelf versus one that just sits there. Find my free retail roadmap linked in today's show notes. You are going to love it. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Wiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.